very amusing. Your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and I am happy to be back after taking the week off. I truly, whenever I take a week off, I I, I deeply, desperately miss this podcast, uh, which makes what I'm about to say next a uh, little more complicated. Um, I shared some of this news on Instagram last week, so if you saw that, um, you are already primed for this. But if you have not, I unfortunately, sadly, but um, understandably, must announce that I am going to be going on maternity leave earlier than I anticipated. Um, uh, there's many reasons for this. The primary one is that my brain doesn't really work anymore. Like if I eat any food, all the blood in my body is growing a gigantic child and uh, it has become prohibitively difficult to put this podcast out every week. I had grand plans. I was, as I mentioned in other intros in weeks past, I was going to, I've already outlined all the episodes that I was going to publish while I'm on maternity leave and was going to work up to the day that I gave birth. But um, sadly, that it, it, that is a path that I just have to, uh, I have to turn away from and go down a new path, which is that we are ending this season a little earlier than I thought. Now, I'm bummed. I'm very sorry to leave you hanging. I wish I could truly be doing this constantly, but I, I gotta, I, I, there, listen, I'm like behind on all this stuff. You gotta know for having child. Uh, and I really need to dedicate some time to that and fully cram before the final. Let's just say I'm not, I'm not very prepared. Uh, and I need to kind of shove some uh, attention that way. So I, while I am heartbroken that I will not be here as long as I anticipated, I will be back. Um, no, I'm not going to say any date yet, but probably early summer. I'll be back with regular podcast episodes. And if I am feeling up to it, I will be maybe randomly dropping stuff until then. But again, I keep pushing myself too far. I have a very like, oh, my flight's at 8 a.m. I'm going to pack all night and barely make it on the plane kind of mentality. I like to work up until the very, very last second before something, which um, usually works in life, except for in situations where uh, you are one person and you are uh, turning into two. So I'm doing my best and I apologize in advance. That said, uh, I do want to share the tentative schedule with you, which I thought I had open and I don't. Please bear with me. So this week, as you know, we have a news episode. We're catching up on all of the wild random scatter news that's come out of Disneyland and Disney World in the past week or so. Next week on February 1st, we will be recapping all of the new stuff at Disneyland that I'm about to experience firsthand. So we're talking new nighttime shows at both parks, Disney 100, as well as the grand opening of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Then on February 8th, I am uh, <laughs> come. Uh, how do I how do I not say profanity on this? Uh, I am determined to release a full Universal Studios Hollywood guide so that you are prepped and primed and ready for Super Nintendo World. And that will most likely be our last episode until the summer. I know I am very upset about it. I wish I could keep going, but I I reassessed the situation and I I got a dip. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Getting these out has, has not been easy um, as much as I like doing it. Uh, my brain is just a bowl of soup that doesn't function. So we have this episode and two more, and I will update you if anything changes. I thank you for your understanding, and I miss you already. Now, this week, we are talking about the like 
explosion of news question mark that kind of just permeated online. So if you're not someone who uh, spends too much of their life on Twitter, this is going to be very informative for you because you're going to find out a bunch of stuff you haven't heard about. And if you have been glued to Twitter or Instagram or social media or whatever, you are also going to find out some stuff in here probably because there was so much news that I had to sit down and write out a timeline and was even like, oh, was that announced? So I myself was a bit overwhelmed by all of it. That said, in this conversation, uh, I'm going to be, as always, I'm going to be very honest about it. I'm not just going to be reading you news updates. I'm going to be giving you my thoughts about it. And my thoughts in terms of some of these maybe are a little positive, maybe are a little negative. But I am, (laughs) I just want to warn you, it is not, I don't think it's just me. I think a lot of y'all agree with me. And I got to tell you, I was looking at the, because on Disney Parks blog, there is a Disneyland page with some news, um, like a bulk of the news that came out. There's a Disneyland page and a Disney World page. And the Disney World page, the comments on this post are more brutal than any comments I have ever seen on any other Disney Parks blog post. I was going to read them in this episode and I copy pasted about 10 that I'm like, I can't read this for five minutes. It's just too much. But we're talking DVC members upset that they can't buy annual passes. People who are like begging to give the company money for things who are already bought in and cannot get what they want to get. Um, I'm seeing things like, I'm with my family. I don't want to be on my phone all day racing for lightning passes. If you want to charge me, fine, but let me enjoy my time with my family. People who are willing to pay for ease and are not seeing it. it it's really, really interesting to see all this on in the comment section of Disney Parks blog, just to see how many people have these strong feelings. So I'd head there if you were like, am I the only one shouting this into an abyss? They also are begging to bring back the trams at Epcot. Why? Why not? Um, someone yelling about stop building generic hotels. No comment. Uh, it's it's pretty brutal, but uh, very interesting to see something like that on a proper Disney website. So if I do go a little, a little honest here, a little somewhat negative, that I mean that's that's why it's because I also share the sentiment. Sentiment. I also feel it, and I also pay to go to these parks, so I have a lot of feelings about it. Uh, that said, I don't think there's anything else going on. Usually up front, I talk about like fun things I've done, but I'm not, I may go back to Universal Studios Hollywood next week to see Super Nintendo World again. I'm going at least before the next episode, so I'll have a little more about that. But yeah, that's it. I'm actually supposed to go to my brother's birthday dinner at a fancy restaurant downtown, so I should jet. But stay tuned for news, discussion, chit-chat, and just a lot of catching up on the bonanza of the last week. Stick around after this break. We will be right back. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. (laughs) 
Welcome back to our News Bonanza episode. We're going to start with Disneyland Resort, which has so much arriving very, very soon. Wondrous Journeys, World of Color One, and Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway will be opening this Friday, January 27th. Now, we will be discussing all of that at length next week, since By the time you're hearing this, I will be heading to Disneyland for just that, the debut of these two new nighttime shows, as well as the attraction. And I'll give you a recap on all of that, and I'll probably likely recap a bit of what I'm about to say here as well, but I did want to preemptively break down exactly how you can get on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway when it opens on Friday, because... You know, you can't just wait in line anymore. Nothing is that simple in modern Disney parkdom. So allow me to break it down in hopefully an easy to understand way. Now, as I just mentioned, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway will not have a standby queue when it opens at Disneyland. It is only accessible through a free virtual queue or a paid lightning lane entry. Virtual queue, if you are unfamiliar, is completely free and available through the Disneyland app, but it does generally require some quick fingers and finesse. That's because the virtual queue opens twice per day, at 7 a.m. and at 1 p.m. As we've seen with rides using virtual queue in the past, they often, especially when a ride first opens, tend to be snapped up very quickly, like within 60 seconds. So you'll want to have a plan of action if you want to ride this ride. Again, standby lines exist for a reason, and yet Disney thinks this is preferred. I'll never understand. There are some specifics about this that I want to spell out, so bear with me. For the 7 a.m. virtual queue, you can book from anywhere, but you must have Disneyland Park admission, meaning your park reservation is for Disneyland Park. For the 1 p.m. virtual queue, you can have Disneyland Park admission or Park Hopper admission, but either way, you have to have scanned into one of the two theme parks by then. If you haven't, you will not be able to book for that 1 p.m. virtual queue. That means if this is a priority for you on your forthcoming Disneyland vacation and you have Park Hopper admission, you will want your park reservation to start at Disneyland if possible, since it'll give you two opportunities to enter that virtual queue instead of one. Additionally, Disneyland is now letting you confirm your group, aka whoever you plan on going on this ride with, your family, your friends, etc., an hour before either drop. So anytime starting at 6 a.m. for 7 a.m. or 12 p.m. noon for 1 p.m. That's kind of like fine print and a little bit of gibberish, but essentially it makes the panic booking for virtual queue debatably one tiny step simpler. Also, I also want to add, you can only enter the attraction's virtual queue once per day. So let's say it's 7 a.m., you're booking, you get a boarding pass with a virtual queue, you're going on the ride today. You cannot enter the 1 p.m. virtual queue after you ride. So you can't keep entering twice a day and get to ride twice a day. You can only book once per day through the virtual queue. (laughs) Now, if that didn't sound complicated, Disney also lets you throw money at the problem they've created. Thanks, Disney. Can you tell I absolutely hate this procedure because it puts a casual day guest at such an extreme disadvantage? I'm trying to hide it and I cannot hold back. Just let people wait in the line. Give them an option. Oh, my God. Now, while there is no standby line for this ride, they do offer individual lightning lane entry, which means you can pay for each member of your family or your party to enter the ride. A lot of my Disney World people, and I'm sure Disneyland listeners are super used to this, but I just want to flag. 
If you, in case you forget, just to remember, lightning lanes at Disneyland are different than at Disney World. You can only book an individual lightning lane once you enter one of Disneyland Resort's parks. So if you are park hopping and you're starting a Disney California adventure, you can buy a lightning lane for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, no problem. You just have to have physically entered a park, in this case, DCA, before you can do so. And remember, with Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, there are now three individual Lightning Lane eligible rides at Disneyland Resort. Again, that is separate from Genie Plus. There are three rides offering this. Rise of the Resistance, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, and Radiator Springs Racers. So you are limited to only two of those in one day. You can only buy Lightning Lanes to two of those three attractions per day. So just keep that in mind for your planning. Pricing is not yet announced for Runaway Railway. I will know that by next week and share in that episode, as well as reiterate whatever all of this information was. But I just wanted to let you know in advance because I know some people were concerned about attending opening day and didn't have a game plan. Tangentially related to that is another news item that came out recently, that Disneyland's Park Hopper hours will be moving to 11 a.m. from 1 p.m. starting on February 4th. So it's going to be a little confusing, the timing, for about the first week that the attraction is open. But then after that, Disneyland is finally letting people hop between parks more freely. Not entirely freely, not pre-pandemic freely, but at least 11 a.m. is a lot better than 1 p.m. and 2 p.m. at Disney World. So I appreciate the move, but my my bottom line for me is that people should be able to get what they pay for, and that is unfettered access to two parks if that's what they're paying for. But there is really so much coming to Disneyland Resort in the next few months, in the next year, that I'm going to break it all down in order. Magic Happens Parade, which I myself still have not seen, it debuted moments before the pandemic began, is finally returning on February 24th. I may or may not make it to its return, TBD, baby, but I will see this parade once and for all because it is phenomenal. I did attend a preview. I saw the floats up close and it's spectacular and I'm so excited for it to be back. Now that's February 24th. And then March 8th, Mickey's Toontown is fully reopening. So there's really a lot happening at Disneyland at the start of the year before spring break time. So if you are traveling to Disneyland Resort this year, eh, it's something to look forward to. There are also, of course, festivals going on at Disneyland Resort. Lunar New Year officially kicked off last week and will last through February 15th. Now, some of the highlights here are that Hortensia, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit's sweetheart, as they as they call her, they will both be at Lunar New Year, along with Mickey and Minnie dressed in special outfits. I am recording this before I am attending Lunar New Year. I will, I will be seeing the festivities firsthand when I'm at the resort next week, or I'm sorry, when you are listening to this, but I just wanted to call that out. Disney California Adventure Food and Wine Festival will also be returning on March 3rd and run through April 25th. This is one of the food festivals they host in the park. There's always fun stuff. There's always weird stuff. So if you are into that, keep an eye out. Another bit of news, free PhotoPass downloads start on February 4th. Uh, This is the same day that park hopping hours will change to 11 a.m. And starting that day, this is official language from Disney, guests will be able to receive complimentary PhotoPass attraction downloads for the Disney 100 celebration. So uh, in case, (laughs) listen, I'm usually too lazy to type in the code and get it in the app. I just take a photo of uh, the screen when like you go on Radiator Springs Racers, you take a photo of your friend's uh, screenshot, it's fine. Uh, But getting them for free, 
listen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna turn that down. That's not bad. So starting February 4th, you can get those complimentary attraction photos, not the other ones, the attraction photos. But there is no more drama anywhere at Disneyland Resort more than the location of La Brea Bakery. So La Brea Bakery straight up closed out of nowhere <laughs> earlier this month. Just surprise bloop, we're closed. And now Earl of Sandwich will be temporarily filling their location in downtown Disney in February. We don't have an exact date yet. The whole thing is pretty wild. They're just kind of like shoving right in there in the old shell of La Brea Bakery being like, here, you can have your turkey holiday sandwich. But it... It's the thing that's even more bizarre is that Earl of Sandwich, who's really like, I don't know, I don't want to make a bad analogy, but Earl of Sandwich feels like 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 the person you're dating on the side, like whenever they have room, whenever they can reopen, they're slotting in an Earl of Sandwich because Earl of Sandwich keeps going in and out. Earl of Sandwich is coming back in February. And then I, I don't know when they're leaving because Porto's is taking over that space after. Now, the official language is Portos will be built near the Esplanade on the footprint of that La Brea bakery. I have to assume this thing is going to be larger than La Brea because they have called it an all new Portos location and they've used the word footprint a few times in language like design and construct. But the reason I'm like side eyeing that is because I, I, they have to be making it bigger. It has to be a bigger space in the Esplanade at Disneyland because it's Portos. They are known for being slammed. So I can only pray that walking through that little area isn't as congested as I fear it will be. And they will have a full-fledged, glorious, gigantic Portos, which, oh, I'm I'm very excited for. I'm a little hesitant on what the prices will be, considering the location. Uh, they are known for being very, very, very affordable. And um, eating at a theme park doesn't really go hand in hand with that usually. So details to come. But all we know is that that general space is where Portos will eventually be. Oh, and speaking of downtown Disney, they also released concept art for Din Tai Fung, which looks a bit small. I'm not going to judge concept art. I don't know how big the restaurant's going to be, but I mean, it looks snazzy and classy, but I'm hoping that they are building the world's largest Din Tai Fung so that people can get in there. Because again, Portos and Din Tai Fung are some of the busiest places to visit in LA. For good reason, people love them. The food is fantastic. I don't know anyone who dislikes either of them. Both are magical, but I can't imagine how tricky it's going to be to get in there. Uh, the only thing they've said is that it will open on the west side of downtown Disney at Disneyland in the future. So TBD on opening date. But regardless, the idea that we could have Portos and in Taifung at Disneyland is fabulous. Again, scared for the price, but uh, very, very excited. And this is neither here nor there, but I just need to shout out the vegan flavors at Salt and Straw this month. Their January menu is so good. I highly recommend if you are nearby. Uh, I got a few, I got a few pints, I got a few scoops, and I've been slowly devouring them bite by bite over the course of the past week. So definitely check that out. Highly recommend whether or not you are vegan. Later this year, we're heading back into Disneyland Park, Disneyland's French Market Restaurant will reopen as Tiana's Palace. And Mint Julep Bar will return. Uh, Mint Julep Bar and French Market Restaurant will close February 17th for construction, but Mint Julep Bar will reopen as is, and French Market will be changing. Sadly, Tiana's Palace won't be character dining, but I am still here for all things Tiana, especially in this area of the park. 
Tiana's Bayou Adventure, the new version of Splash Mountain, just as a reminder, opens in late 2024 at both Disneyland and Disney World. Disney World's Splash Mountain closed on January 23rd. We don't yet know when Disneyland's will close for construction, but it's currently on the Disneyland public calendar through March 1st. So take with that what you will. Regardless, I... I'm excited for this. I I wish they would make multiple restaurants Tiana themed. Honestly, like take over everything, like take over Hungry Bear, do it all. But it, it the rendering looks great. I I think it'll be so magical to have this there. And they are keeping Mint Julep Bar as is, so everyone will be happy. It's just it's just nice to have Tiana there. In other non-timed news, Magic Key sales will be resuming intermittently. The official language that they shared was that Disneyland Resort will make select Magic Key passes available for new sales from time to time throughout 2023 as pass inventory becomes available. There's really no good way to, to know about when this happens. For example, This past week, Magic Key sales resumed out of nowhere on a Tuesday. And you wouldn't really know unless you followed this stuff on social media because Disneyland sent out an official email 24 hours later on Wednesday. But even as I check right now on Friday, a few days after all of this, passes are still available, which is a great sign if you were hoping to nab one. So it sounds like the kind of frenzy about Magic Key returning that we've seen in the past, where everyone was desperate to get one and the waits were forever, it sounds like the system is working, which is fantastic and a very good sign for anyone who's hoping to grab a Magic Key. But my favorite bit of unexpected news over the past week actually came out of Disney California Adventure. As first announced at D23 Expo 2022, Pacific Wharf is indeed transforming into San Francisco. Now, with all the scattered news of the past few weeks, this one really kind of eked its way out there. I first came across it over at Orange County Register, but in prepping for this episode, realized that updates were also shared by my friend Scott Gustin. But even still, news about this actually starting in a newspaper and via Scott is still kind of under the radar with everything else that's happening. So for my East Coasters and Disney World folks, Pacific Wharf is kind of like an outdoor food court-ish space at DCA where Boudin, oh God, I don't know how to say it, Boudin Bakery? Boudin Bakery, I think that's how you say it out loud. This is very embarrassing. And Ghirardelli, I hope I said that one right too. Uh, It's where both of those are located. And it'll soon see a new setting mixing the architecture and styles of San Francisco and Tokyo as seen in the film Big Hero 6. As you know, when this is announced at D23 Expo 2022, I was thrilled and I remain thrilled. And I'm so happy to see that this is indeed going forward. There is no date or timeline yet, but construction has begun. Scott Gustin shared from Disney directly that they began draining the lagoon to begin work. But when the area is fully revitalized, which I can't wait for, you'll be able to take photos with Baymax, which is so exciting and so fun to have on this coast. It's a wonderful experience to meet him. More details are to come, so stay tuned on that front. Another tidbit that they shared, Disneyland announced more $104 park ticket days. Now, what that means is that the lowest cost one park one day ticket now has extended availability over the next year, with Disneyland offering, in their words, nearly two months worth of $104 park ticket dates throughout 2023. Fantastic! I'm uh, I'm never going to scoff at them allowing people into the park for the lowest price possible, so I'm all for it. Good news on my front. 
And last but not least, Run Disney returns to Disneyland Resort. Disneyland, and this was about two weeks ago at this point, but Disneyland announced Run Disney dates for 2024, a year away, but I'm told this is how races work. Um, And the Run Disney Disneyland Half Marathon Weekend will be January 11th to 14th, 2024. Registration opens on Valentine's Day of this year, February 14th, 2023. And though I know all my Run Disney people, especially the ones listening to this while running, I don't know how you do it, uh, have encouraged me to do this. I will not be doing this. (laughs) I cannot. I cannot commit to an event a year in advance. That's a longer time frame than even having a child. So I uh, will I will be at the finish line. I'll be holding a sign. I'll be cheering everyone on. But I, I've ran a race at Disneyland. I've put in my time. I'm good. Jumping over to Walt Disney World, where there is also so much news. To catch you up, Pete's Silly Sideshow just reopened at Magic Kingdom. And if you're not familiar, this is my favorite, number one favorite Goofy meet and greet. There's Minnie, Daisy, Donald, and Goofy, and they're all dressed as fantastic characters in fantastic costumes. Um, it's Minnie Magnifique, Daisy Fortuna, like a like fortune. I don't, God, I really don't know how to pronounce things today. The astounding Donaldo and the great Goofini. Again, top tier Goofy meet and greet. Highly recommend if you have not done it. That is open already. Meeting Ariel at her grotto, that reopened over the weekend on January 22nd. And Enchanted Tales with Belle reopens on February 19th. Ariel and Belle, those meet and greets, will, or those experiences, I should say, will both be Genie Plus eligible. So just keep an eye on that if you're planning a trip to Disney World. But the biggest news, the biggest news where I and very amusing and anyone who enjoys joy, <laughs> anyone who likes to feel happiness <laughs> will relate to is that Happily Ever After returns on April 3rd. It's going to be a little different. Um, Disney has pointed out that there's going to be brand new projections on Main Street USA to kind of plus it up. But regardless, we got Happily Ever After back and I'm thrilled. Harmonious is also going away. Same time frame. The last Harmonious show and the last Enchantment show will be on April 2nd, April 3rd, Happily Ever After and Epcot Forever. Temporary return, but Epcot Forever will come back April 3rd. And I'm thrilled. Uh, you know how much I love Happily Ever After. Specifically, this is this is huge. This is huge news for me. This is huge, and I'm so excited that I'm going to say it. The best fireworks show they've ever created is now back in the parks. That said, this sounds like a lot of fun, happy news. But I do just want to add that these are a handful of things that were offered before the pandemic began. So while it is exciting to have them back, it is just more of a return to original form instead of a lot of newness happening. It's easy to get caught up in the joy of it. But let's just I like to just keep I like to just keep my eye on the prize and just remember that this is stuff that we had before. So it's a lot of this is just stuff we're getting back, not necessarily getting new things. but. At long last, Tron Light Cycle Run will open on April 4th. Now, heartbreakingly, I will not be flight ready for this one, but I've been on it in Shanghai multiple times, so I can tell you firsthand, it is so joyous. It's all about the launch, truly. The portion of the coaster that's outdoors is so utterly delightful, so if anyone has been looking forward to this, absolutely keep looking forward to it and enjoy. Enjoy on my behalf. Enjoy. Disney also shared that before the attraction opens, cast members will get a preview and preview opportunities are coming for annual pass holders and eligible DVC members. So if you are in that group, um, I obviously, if I see that, I will share on social media, but just keep an eye out because that is 
coming down. There is no detail at this time about Virtual Q or about Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind Virtual Q going away and switching to this one, but that's pretty much likely to happen. So just keep an eye out for that as well. Again, I will share all this on social media if I see it. I'm sure that'll be confirmed in the coming weeks, but just wanted to flag that in advance. There's one other thing about Tron I want to discuss. Uh, I saw some hubbub on Twitter or whatever about a locker system, but the one in Shanghai wasn't that bad. However, the thing I want to flag about bringing stuff on this ride is that I do believe the last time I rode this, I did so without my glasses because I feared them flying off. Is that... Give me a sec. I'm going to check. I'm going to check Google Photos. Give me a second. Okay. Confirmed. I I went on Tron Light Cycle Run without my glasses. I did take them off for this ride, but I think I may have been required to take them off. There's a little pouchy pouch attached to the bike that fits them. Um, it's kind of like the size of a phone-ish, so you can always shove them in there. But if you are a glasses wearer, just keep that in mind because... Uh, confirmation, my online photo and a video of me being like, oh, I couldn't wear my glasses. Um, for some reason, I took them off and it may have been required. I also found a video of me saying I had tears streaming down my face the entire time. And in that video, I am holding my gigantic fun, like Mickey Mouse earrings in my hands. So basically, if you're concerned about the lockers, there's a reason there's lockers for this one. It needs it. If I couldn't wear glasses or earrings or at least chose not to, whatever happened, uh, it means it's probably a good idea that we don't. I am so sad because these are the type of operational details I love to bring you. And I sadly will be on maternity leave then. But I hope you ride in my honor, whether or not you are able to see with 2020 vision. As for other non-timed Disney World news, I'm going to, you may have heard some of this online. I'm going to share my thoughts on it, but I'm going to be very honest as I share this info because a lot of this news isn't exactly like news we should maybe be celebrating, starting with increased annual pass holder park access. Now, uh, allow me to explain. At Walt Disney World, annual pass holders will soon be able to visit theme parks after 2 p.m. without needing a park reservation. The only exception to this is Magic Kingdom on Saturdays and Sundays, and blockout dates still apply. There is no date for when this increased AP access begins. They say it's going to begin in the next few months, TBD. But I know, I, I know I've seemed a little bit negative about some of the news in this episode, because my first gut reaction to this was amazing. Annual pass holders can visit more. But on second thought, ah, I don't know. Listen, I, I get it. This is easy goodwill. It's nice that they're turning things in the direction of guest benefit. But this is also something we used to have. <laughs> if you have access to the parks on certain days of the year, you should be able to access the park on certain days of the year. This shouldn't even be a restriction where a reservation is required for you to use your pass that you paid for on the days that you pay for. The official language on this is, while the theme park reservation system remains important to manage attendance in our parks, especially on busier days, we realize our pass holders enjoy more spontaneous visits, and this change will make that possible. And that's where they lose me. Because it sounds like the parks are so busy and demand is so high that they need park reservations. But there's just magically enough space after 2 p.m., which apparently is also the golden hour for when people can start park hopping and bopping around. So 
oh, at 2 p- things are busy. There's so much demand. But at 2 p.m., people can swap around between parks. Annual pass holders can slide on in. And in line with that, if everything is so busy until this 2 p.m. hour, isn't that because of the restrictions you yourself put in place with park reservations? I mean, on one hand, yes, this is positive-seeming, guest-focused changes, the things that people like us want. And on the other hand, again, I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of these feel like Disney is just developing solutions to problems of their own creation. I mean, make it make sense. If you need reservations to go into the park, but then at a certain time of day, you can just do whatever, something's up. And it just, you got to call it out because it makes no sense. And with that, I go on to oh my next bit, which is free parking for hotel guests. Uh, complimentary self-parking was installed immediately when this was announced the other week. They used to charge tiered rate for value, moderate, and deluxe parking at Disney World Hotels. And now that is all gone and it is free to park if you're staying at these hotels. Now, again, gut reaction? Heck yeah. Fantastic. But this is another one that when you break it down, it kind of bugs me. So paid parking at these hotels was rolled out in 2018. And it was a pain point even back then. I remember when the news broke, I reported on it. And personally, I scoffed at it. But cars weren't as essential to a Disney World trip then. Now, in 2023, your hotel stay no longer includes airport transportation. So now you have to pay to get to the resort if you're flying in. And for some, that means you're more inclined to rent a car. So having to pay for parking at somewhere like Disney's All-Star Sports on top of that, when you're already getting less than you used to pay for, I don't really think that's a win. I think it's just kind of a moot point. The sad fact is that the optics in this are great. Free parking, incredible. But the reality is that, again, these rooms cost exponentially more than they did a few years ago. There are less benefits, and therefore you're kind of getting less for what you paid for because They've pulled back perks and changed things. I mean, just think of housekeeping. Everything is different now. So you should be getting free parking considering that you're not getting a lot of the benefits you used to get before the pandemic. Also, they have plenty of land and plenty of parking, which is why their original argument that it keeps up with industry standards (laughs) makes no sense at all. I don't mean to be negative. I just feel like these are the conversations we need to have instead of keeping things happy and positive for reasons that don't really need to be all the time. Personally, I am truly very excited for what is coming to Walt Disney World. Happily Ever After is a pitch-perfect course correct that was much needed. Tron's going to be a blast. And all of these changes are, despite my critique, a step in the right direction. But while I love these places, I cannot ignore the fact that the flip side to a lot of these announcements is as I stated. That said, I am really glad everything is progressing in a way back towards some kind of normal. Character meets are expanding and coming back. Things that benefit guests are top of mind and being announced. And I look forward to more of these types of changes in the future because in some of the many interviews that Josh Tomorrow did last week and the week before, it it does seem like there is more to come. But again, I feel like my position as a reporter is to be an advocate for the guest, particularly the casual guest who has no idea this podcast or any Disney podcasts exist and is just trying to plan the best vacation possible for their family. And I hope these parks continue to give them and everyone the park access they're paying for, benefits for opting to stay at a Disney hotel, and especially a way to visit these parks without having to take the equivalent of a college course. (laughs) 
That's all we got for this week. Be sure to follow along on social media where I will be at Disneyland Resort for the rest of the week. I am so excited. It is my final big theme park trick trip before the baby. So I'm going to have a wonderful time and share every second of it with you. I'll be back next Wednesday with a recap of all things new at Disneyland Resort, the new nighttime shows, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, and probably whatever seasonal yummies that I decide to eat. So stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have any other questions about any of this, just give us a call at 747 Churros. Woo! Anyone who's uttered the words Genie Plus knows firsthand that vacations require time, money, planning, energy. And if you put all that effort into enjoying your trip already, why not extend the highlights of that getaway into your everyday with FrameBridge? Put that vintage Epcot ticket up in your office and give it a little personality. Surprise your kid with their favorite character's autograph immortalized on the wall of their room. FrameBridge makes it so easy and affordable to custom frame any photo, park map, or even cocktail napkin from a theme park hotel bar in just minutes. You can mock up exactly what it'll look like on their website before you even spend a dime. Things ship fast and they ship for free, and their colorful custom framing means they'll not only help you plan your gallery wall, but make sure your place looks cooler than the interiors of that mid-century modern home within Spaceship Earth. I love the mementos I framed with FrameBridge so much that I rearranged my entire office so I can enjoy them daily. This is not a bit. This is this is true life. They're the backdrop to my podcast Zoom interviews, my Instagram stories, and even the goofy photos we take of Pearl tip-tapping away at my keyboard like she's a miniature employee. Too often, our favorite memories of a vacation are tucked inside our phone or shoved within a drawer. And it thrills me to no end that because of FrameBridge, I can finally be surrounded by my memories. FrameBridge makes custom framing easy, affordable, and enjoyable. And on top of that, their happiness guarantee ensures that no matter what, you'll wind up with something you love. To get started, head to FrameBridge.com, because your precious travel memories shouldn't have to stay in the past. That's FrameBridge.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, Carly. I'm Amanda from Chicago. I called in ages ago about my baby's first trip to Disney and with a question about your dream first ride for Morty. My friend Amy and I laughed so hard at your response that I couldn't resist calling in again. Last May, my daughter had her second trip to Disney World, and I meant to call in months ago, but life is hard. Anyway, this trip was shortly after Hug's return, and I was thrilled to introduce my girl to my beloved Minnie Mouse. We saw her in the red carpet at studios, and I made sure that she had her best sparkly mouse ears to match Minnie's dress. We got the nose boop, the little baby smile. It was perfect. On our last day, we made a stop to see Cinderella because that felt like a Disney baby requirement. It's not that I wasn't excited for the Disney princess experience, but I kind of had a residual guilt for when I was a kid who was almost too old to need to see the princesses and made my dad and younger brother wait 15 minutes in line. Anyway... 
I decided that I would not let something that I should probably be in therapy for rob my daughter of this moment, so we made it happen. We were in line with no expectations, but then we walked into the Royal Hall, and I suddenly found myself almost in tears because my baby was meeting her first Disney princess, and it was a moment. Thankfully, my friend distracted me so I could pull it together, but whoa, did those Disney mom fields come on strong. So, my question is, setting aside all practicalities about bringing a dog to the parks, who is the dream character for Morty to meet? And which character do you think could unexpectedly bring you to tears when your furry boy meets them? Also, I realize you're going to have a human child soon. Congrats on that. But I need these hypothetical answers about your special guy. Thanks so much. (laughs) <laughs> thank, you, thank you for this Morty-centric call, uh, because my dog Morty, as you all know, um, I'm pretty sure Morty thinks that the only reason I'm alive is to cater to him, so he appreciates being ranked above future human child in this scenario. Uh, that said, Morty has never been, he's been to uh, Bob Baker Marionette Day, so Bob Baker Day where there's marionettes around, so he's seen things like puppets, but he's never really seen a costumed character. I don't know if it would freak him out, but if it wouldn't, I would obviously want him to meet Doug. Cause like, come on, dog meeting a dog. But mm, yeah, cause anyone else he would meet, I think he'd just be freaked out. I'd want him to meet Doug. That said, I guess I should also, um, answer in terms of future human child. And I don't think I'm going to have any emotional attachment to any princesses. I currently don't. Um, meeting them, I, I you know, whenever I meet a member of royalty at a Disney park, I'm always like, it's not, it's not my vibe. But y'all know I'm about a Goofy. I'm all about a Goofy. So I think when my future child meets Goofy, I think it'll be like, oh, it might it might break my brain open in a good way. Uh, obviously, we will be wearing costumes. We will fully be wearing Goofy outfits when we meet Goofy, like Goofy-themed shirts, Goofy hats. It's going to happen. But I do have to shout out my friend Heather, who runs the Instagram account Dining in Disney, because Heather got me the best gift in the world. Heather got me one of those plush duffy suits that they sell at Tokyo Disney Resort in Japan. And it's a like a full body suit for a child. Full body talking. There's a hood that has like a little duffy face on it. It's basically if you've seen like a little bear snowsuit for a child or a baby, it's that. But it's duffy. It is fully duffy. It is duffy brand. It's like their their face is still out. It's just like a little snowsuit. And all I want, all I want, all I hope for is that my future child can wear this while meeting Duffy. And I feel like after that, uh, all my goals in life will have been met because a little baby Duffy meeting a Duffy, it's just, it's too much. It's too much. Oh, I love all these calls about Morty. Uh, I hope everything's going well. I'm so glad you had such a wonderful princess moment. And I hope to channel that in the future, hopefully with Duffy and Duffy. Thanks for calling. Hi, Carly. This is Emily. I'm currently standing with my BFF outside Mickey's Runaway Wearway, and we are wondering where are B. Arthur's handprints with the rest of the Golden Girls? I googled nothing. Everyone says it's just a great mystery that, yes, everyone's there. Everyone asks the cast members. Nobody knows. If you can solve this one for us, we love it. Love you. Wish you were here with us. Have a great day. Bye. Fantastic question. So the reason I played this call is because not only is it a great question, but I feel I just have a gut feeling that someone out there is going to know the answer to this. I'm pretty sure we have a good amount of like a great movie ride cast members that and people who used to be great movie ride cast members, of course, uh, who listen to this. So 
If anyone knows, please, please, please uh, text me at 747-TROS. Give me a call. Send me an email. But I don't want to leave you completely hanging. So my gut reaction, which again, this is based on nothing except for having watched every episode of The Golden Girls (laughs) during the pandemic and falling in love with it and uh, becoming very invested in it. I feel like my gut instinct is that there was it seems like there was some sort of rift between B. Arthur and the rest of the cast. Um, I know that the show went on to do that, whatever that sequel show was. B. Arthur wasn't a part of it. I don't I don't want to ascribe any any sort of emotions onto B. Arthur that don't need to be there. However, I feel like that is the easiest explanation, but it's not an answer. So if anyone knows please call in. I'm going to keep looking through it because I, I want to know too. Um, and if I find anything, I will update you on future podcasts. Thank you for your call. And oh man, yeah. Why not? Why not? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. That's our show! Thank you all so much for listening. You can rate, review, and follow Very Amusing on Apple Podcasts or rate and follow us on Spotify. But for many of you, you already have, and I just wanted to take this week to spotlight you and say thank you. An Instagram account, Mouse Data, put together a, I guess you'd call it a slideshow, basically a bunch of information about Disney podcasts and their ratings and how many people have rated them. This whole thing, I was tagged in it. And I was blown away by just looking at the sheer data of how many of you have reviewed these podcasts and rated them and done so, so kindly. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It is one of the biggest ways that people find out about us because unlike many of the other Disney podcasts that exist, we don't have a travel agency sponsor. We don't have a website with news. We are truly just a little podcast swimming along in the audio sea. And I am so thankful to all of you for taking your time to hit five stars or to write a review. If you haven't yet, clearly all the cool kids are doing it. I mean, I don't want to peer pressure you. Don't do what the cool kids do. Don't do just what, don't do what they said. Don't do what they do. But in this case, maybe just like leave a few stars uh, or say hi. It's nice. It's like a message board in a way. It's fun. It's fun. But if you truly want to talk to us, give us a call at 747churros, text us a voice note, or email it to 747churros at gmail.com. You can also load up on Very Amusing merchandise at very-amusing.com. You can follow me at Carly Wiesel on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. And you can also join the family at facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. This episode was edited resplendently by Jeff Fox. 
Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hi, honey. It's mom. I'm very excited about this new Super Nintendo. But first, I wanted to talk about Magic Kingdom. That was such a great trip. Like walking down Main Street for four hours with all those people, and you learned all these great things. And I love when you share those fun facts. It is so much fun. All right, back to Nintendo. So Super Nintendo is opening up February 17th at Universal, and you know it's so exciting. I'm going to be in town, so maybe we can go. That would be so much fun for me. Anyways, that would be a good idea to go. I would love that. Um, the Mushroom Kingdom, the bright music, the colors. And you said something about Casino S. Got my attention. I'm in. Let's go. I'm so excited. Uh, the characters. I, know, I don't remember Princess Peach, but I'm sure if she talks, you're going to get an interview, which that'll be hysterical. And my favorites will always be Mario and Luigi. Loved them. And then you got into the power band and the express path. And, I, you know, I'm barely understanding what's going on at Magic Kingdom, let alone more passes. I can't handle it. Anyways, I love you. Great week. I'll see you soon. So excited. I love you, love you. Bye. I love you, Carly. Love you, Jen Stamos.